Amen. I am so glad that you are with us today in Guthrie and Oklahoma City and Lexington, Mabel Bassett. God is doing some deep things. We're starting today a collection of talks called Build His Church. And we're looking at God's heart for the church. Who the founder of the church is? Anybody know who the founder of the church is? Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're going to be looking at his vision for his church. Okay. Also, who makes up the church? Do you realize it's the blood bought, the redeemed of the Lord? Those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who makes up the church? How many say I'm a part of that family? I'm a part of that body. Amen. And then also our responsibility as his church. We're going to be talking about those things. And so today we have a very wonderful message coming from one of our very own pastors. He served as five years as our student pastor, married to the most beautiful, wonderful Natalie. And then for the last few months, he is now operating in the role as our groups pastor over all of our groups and leading that. And I want you to give a great big welcome right now to Christian Velez as he comes preach the Word of God. North Church, how many of you guys are ready to hear a word from God? How many of you guys have an expectation for God to speak to you today? I hope that when you woke up this morning and you said, Lord, I'm going to your house and I want you to speak to me. Father, thank you so much for your word because your word, it's alive and active. It transforms us to the person who you created us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. You may be seated. As Pastor uh, Rodney said, my name is Christian Velez. Now, that is a very important detail that you need to remember today because last week, Pastor Samson preached. Now, he preached an incredible message, but some of you guys thought that I was Samson. And you guys came to me and told me, hey, that was a great word. And I did not correct you because I wanted the compliments. But today we're not making the same mistake. So if God speaks to you today and I do a good job, don't be going to Samson telling him that he did a good job, okay? I don't know if he looks Puerto Rican or I look Indian. But I'm the one with the glasses, okay? Uh, I think I, I only walked away from people when they started asking me about hope and the kids. I said, I, I got to go to on stage. I, gotta, I got something to do. I got a picture of my family. This is my wife, Natalie. And my daughter, Isla Rose, she is nine months old and she's almost walking. So y'all be praying for me because we're fixing the house. We don't have plants on the floor anymore. Now they're on the couches, they're on the tables because we don't know where to put the plants now because she just grabs them and she makes a mess. But she is a huge blessing from the Lord. And when we find out that we were going to be parents, uh, we didn't know what we needed. Uh, so I was excited because... Or baby shower. Now, baby showers, people give you gifts. And if you don't know me, gift is my love language. There are five different love languages. I only have, my first three are gifts. Like, I absolutely love gifts. So I got super excited because we went to the store 
to do a registry for our baby shower. And I'm thinking, we're going to get a bunch of gifts. going to make me real happy. So I was ready to scan for everything I wanted. Come to find out, it's not about me. It's about the baby. <sighs> but just a word of advice. If you find somebody like Natalie and I nine months ago that we were becoming parents, tell us what we need. Because we went to that store and our arguments started to heat up. Because then we realized, oh, we are not ready for this. What do you mean if we need bottles or we don't need bottles? That was a real conversation. How many of you guys know what this is? It's a diaper genie. And this is one of the greatest inventions in human history. Because it holds a whole bunch of diapers. So I told my wife, babe, we need that. It, it, sets the, it keeps the smell away. And let me tell you something about me. I'm really weird about smells. Like, I can smell when something bad smells really fast. I told her, babe, we, we need this. I don't know if we need it or I needed it. But I told her, we need that. She was like, no, we don't need that. We already have a trash can. Now, let me tell you about trash cans in my house. When I got married five years ago, my wife gave me the responsibility to throw away the trash. I got to be very honest with you. Sometimes I just take it as a suggestion. If I feel like throwing away the trash, I will. I know at least once a week I have to do it because the, the trash, the garbage truck wakes me up on Mondays. I got 6 a.m. because the brakes of all the garbage trucks in the city, they should be replaced and changed. It just wakes me up. And I remember I sprint outside, put it in the curve, and we're good. So then when we are in a registry, I tell my wife, babe, we need this. She said, no. I said, well, let's do this. Let's put it in the registry. If somebody gifts it to us, that means that we need it. This is ours. I'm going to let you figure out who won that battle. But then she gave me the responsibility of throwing away this trash too. Now, this one smells really bad when you change it. It keeps all the smells in except when you're changing that bag. All the smells come out. I got to be honest with you. There are weeks, it's a suggestion for me. Until I cannot deal with the smell anymore. Now, that's funny, but how many of us do that in our personal life? Like, we know that we should read the Word of God daily, but we don't see it as a responsibility. We see it as a suggestion. Then we go to God when we're in need of something. Like, sometimes I treat prayer that way. Like, I know I should pray every single day, have a prayer life, but I normally go to God when I cannot deal with the smell of things anymore in my life. If you're a parent and you're a parent of teenagers, like, you know your kids should be here on Wednesday nights for North students. But it's inconvenient because you have to drive them, drop them off, go home, and it seems like you got to turn around and pick them up again. But you remember... When your kids are acting up and, and they're hanging out with the wrong crowd and they're experiencing things that you wish that they weren't and then you'd remember to bring them to church. And listen, we love them. We want them here. But it's your responsibility. Not a suggestion. If you want to raise godly children. Can we talk about marriage? Because normally we remember to invest in our marriage when our marriage thinks. Me and my wife, we go to canceling every quarter because I want to make sure that I have the right tools so when things happen, we can have conversations. 
and deal with it. Like, many of you guys know that you should invest in your marriage. Like, we have day night. We've been talking about it for three weeks. You know you should go to day night so you can learn and invest in your marriage. We've been talking about kingdom community for weeks. Like, you know you should be part of a group. Oh, but it's inconvenient because you have to give up one of your nights. And maybe you got to clean up your house to welcome people and it stresses you out. Anytime that somebody comes to my house, it stresses me out and I stress my wife out. I know it's inconvenient, but it's our responsibility. Now, when it comes to the word of God, we also do the same thing. Like sometimes we see the words of Jesus as a suggestion. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, it's known as the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission, most Christians know it. Some of you guys even know it by memory. If you don't know this, if you never heard of this, don't worry, I'm gonna read it to you. But sometimes, we don't see this as a command because this is the Great Commission. So this is what it says. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. After he came to the earth, he died on the cross, resurrected. It's about to ascend to heaven. And he gathered his disciples and tell them these words. Jesus came to his disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When it comes to sharing the gospel, we all have a responsibility. Whether you've been a Christian for 72 years, are you being a Christian for 23 seconds? If you're a believer of Jesus, you have a responsibility. And these are his words. He gave us a command to go out and make disciples of all nations. But sometimes we don't see it as our responsibility. And the Great Commission has become the great suggestion for many Christians. Where we, we, we hear the words of Jesus, like in my Bible, they are read, which means that Jesus said those words. Now, every word in the Bible, it's important, but those red ones, those were Jesus' words. And he's telling you and me to go and make disciples of all nations. I was watching a video on YouTube last week, and this guy was talking about how he desired to retire by 30 years old. Now, if that is your dream, good for you. But let me tell you, when it comes to the gospel, you don't retire from sharing the gospel. Until Jesus returns or you died, your responsibility as a Christian is to tell people about Jesus and what he can do in their life and what he came on this earth to do for them. That is your responsibility. That is my responsibility. Now, can I be transparent with you? Maybe. Thank you so much. There are some things in the Bible. I just wish they weren't there. Like, there are some things that when I read them, I'm like, Jesus, why? Why do you have to open your mouth and say that? Because now I have to do what you said, and I don't want to. Because some of the things that Jesus asked you and me to do are inconvenient to our American lifestyle. There are things in there that I'm like, I just wish they weren't there. Can I read one of those to you? Yeah, maybe? Thank you. Matthew 22, verse 
37 through 39, here's what's happening in this, this portion of scripture. The religious leaders, the lawyers of the time, the experts on the law, come to Jesus because they're trying to trick him. They want to kill him. And they come to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, out of all the commands, which one is the most important? And Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, says, Jesus replied, you must love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, this I like. Now, there's even a different uh, writer of the gospel that even added with all of your strength as well. Now, I love, I'm okay with that, Jesus. I love you. I will do everything I can to love you. Now, verse 39 is the one that I wish that Jesus would have just stopped in 38. I do not like what 39 says because it challenges me and it challenges my life and it makes my life, my life difficult. Verse 39 says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is how I know that the Bible wasn't written by man. Because if I was part of that meeting, putting the Bible together, I will make sure the verses like this were not there. Because the word of God is the authority in my life. And because it's the authority of my life, I have to obey what it says, whether I agree or not. And I'm being very honest with you. I just wish the love your neighbor was in there. And if I'm honest with you, I don't even like getting to know my neighbors. Like, I am not that neighbor. I'm the kind of neighbor that comes home, open my garage, back up the car, close the garage. And when the garage is closed, then I get out of my car. Like, I try to all costs to avoid people. Like, my mailman comes to North. And he tells me here at North, hey, you should open your mailbox because it has a lot of mail because I don't even get my mail. I don't like going out there and, get, and meeting my neighbors, but the Holy Spirit being challenged me because God did not create me to live a life like that, where it's just convenient for me. And I've been complaining about the neighborhood I live in to my wife, and I gotta be very careful because she's here in this experience. The other ones, I can say whatever I want, but she's here. <laughs> been complaining, I've been telling her, babe, we need to live in a different neighborhood. I want to live in a nicer neighborhood. Like, you guys' neighborhood? Like, the kind of neighborhood that people walk around with golden doodles and, like, cute dogs. <laughs> we know who live in those neighborhoods over here. I'm, a, I'm terrified of dogs. Like, terrified. Now, I have a reason. By the grace of God, I have a baby today. So I'm going to leave the rest for you, for you to interpret what happened with me and a dog. But I'm terrified of dogs. Literally terrified of dogs. And I've been running because I want to exercise, now I have a baby, so I want to be able to meet my great, 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 great grandkids. So I was like, I gotta take care of my body because if I'm not, if not healthy, I will only meet just my daughter, maybe not even my grandkids. So I am in this whole journey, actually Pastor Ron has been challenging our staff with that. And uh, so I've been running. Guys, there's dogs in my neighborhood. Again, not the kind of dogs that are in your neighborhoods. You guys have golden doodles? We have some kind of mixed pit bull. I am not kidding. And I have a picture to show you. Now, I'm not going to expose my, expose my neighbor's dogs, which I thought about it. But this is me running the other day. I was chased by a dog. Gray pit bull. And the owner had the audacity to say, oh, she's friendly. She's friendly? 
terrified of dogs. So I've been running, I've been running, and the other day, I just started thinking, because I've been complaining to my wife, we need to live in a nice neighborhood, like, you know, like the ones that the people from the church go to. Golden Doodles, nice neighborhood. I mean, those, those ones, the drivers are like a mile long, so nobody will come. Like, I have cameras in my doors. If Pastor Brownie and Shannon come to my house and they don't tell me, I'll say, are they supposed to be here? I'm not open. I don't open the door for anyone. The Holy Spirit been challenging me because I kept thinking, if I live in a nicer neighborhood, then I will build community in my neighborhood. But I just felt the Holy Spirit said, if you don't build community in this neighborhood, what makes you think that you will build community in those neighborhoods? Just to give you an idea how long I've been living in this house. When I moved from Puerto Rico, that was the, the house that I live in today was the, mom, the, the house that my mom bought. So I lived there for eight years. Then I got married, and the Bible says to leave your mother and father and go away. And I did that. Then my mother decided to live in Oklahoma, so I bought her house. So I'm back at her house, just in case. So this next thing that I'm going to tell you makes sense. Ten years I've been living in that house. I did not know my next door neighbor's name till a few weeks ago when the Holy Spirit started dealing with me. For 10 years, I've been living next to this man and this family, and I'd never had a conversation with him. And I've been running, I show you. This day, I just decided to stretch. I don't stretch, like I don't wanna stretch. That's time that I don't have. I started stretching, and I just, I just see my neighbor in the corner of my eye, and I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, talk to your neighbor. And I was like, Lord. Started having a heated argument with the Lord. Because it was a Monday night, we have Holy Spirit men group. And I was like, Lord, I have to get to small group because we are going to be meeting with men and tell about your Holy Spirit. I don't have time to talk to my neighbor. Took off running, 15 seconds go by, and I just felt it. Like, I was like, I need to turn around. So I turn around, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this, my neighbor is about to get saved. He's about to get healed. The Lord is going to use me in a mighty way. I go meet my neighbor. His name is Charles. He's from Kenya. Incredible man. Here's what I find out about Charles. Charles has been a Christian for a very long time. He's been an elder at his church for over 35 years, longer than I've been alive. And I'm like, when I'm back in my room, I'm like, Lord, why did you turn me around? Like, Charles doesn't need me to go and talk to him because he's a Christian. And I just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It wasn't about Charles. It was about you. Will you be obedient to turn around when I tell you and talk to the people that are in your neighborhood, that are in the, the line when you're getting your coffee and when you're eating? I've been challenged by the Holy Spirit to get to know my neighbors. In that verse that we just read, verse 39, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. When you study in the original language and you translate this scripture, it actually means love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Because this is very interesting because I'm not always kind to myself. I don't always love myself the way that I should love myself. I'm not kind to myself in my words with my actions at times. And Jesus' challenge here is like, love your neighbor as you would love yourself. How I would love myself? I would think of myself first. 
I would just do the things that would bring me happiness and joy. And what Jesus is saying to these people is love your neighbor as you would do. So put them first. Instead of you thinking of what you need, put their needs first. If I'm honest with you, I don't want to know my neighbor because I don't want to know the things that stink in their life. I don't want to bring their problems into my life because it's inconvenient. But the words of Jesus is to welcome that. To make what stinks in their life your priority. And th that, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. Because this is hard for me. For 10 years, I didn't know my next door neighbor. We're going to be reading now from the book of John, 1 John. 1 John, it's known to be written by John the disciple. The one that wrote the gospel of John. Now, he wrote these three letters. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And in this first letter, he talked about what love is and what is not love. In chapter 3, verse 11 through 13, he's tell, giving the example to this church community what is not love. And he gives the example of Cain and Abel. Now, if you know the story of Cain and Abel, it's in Genesis chapter 4. And what happened in this story is that both brothers made a sacrifice to the Lord. One pleased the Lord and one didn't. Cain's sacrifice did not please the Lord. And God made it very clear. So Cain killed his own brother. Telling to this church, this is not love. When you take away from people, you're not loving them. Then he gives an example of what love is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. It says, we know what real love is. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we owe to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Laying down your life is the ultimate act of sacrifice. Here we have the author of 1 John talking about what is not love. When you take away. But give us a perfect example of Jesus that gave up his life for you and me. So you and me could have relationship with God and also with one another. The whole reason why he wrote this letter to this church is to tell them how to have fellowship with God. How we could have community with God. And the whole point of this letter is that the best way that you and I can have fellowship with God is by loving one another. It's by having fellowship with one another. We're talking about building his church. And how does that look like? How does building his church look like? Well, it starts with you meeting your neighbors. And you being kind to the people that God has placed you around. The reason why you live in the neighborhood that you live in or the school that you go to, or the work that you have, is because God placed you there to be the light of the world. It's for you to share the gospel. It's for you to take the good news of Jesus and share with those people that are around you. Loving my neighbor means that I bring in what stinks in their life. I pray with them. I help them. If somebody's in need, John said, that if somebody has enough money to live, 
and see somebody in, in need and don't help them? Is God's love in that person? Now, those words are challenging me because I want my resources to serve me first. But it's not how God wants us to use our resources. Building his church means that we support the kingdom work that is happening in the world, that we support missionaries, that we support our local church, that we support the people around us. God placed you there on purpose. He has a purpose for your life. The best way that I can love my wife is by doing what she asked me to do. Pastor Samson, the other me, um, he spoke last week and uh, he gave the, uh, the example of his grandparents of how he never heard his grandparents saying that they love each other, but they act in a way that show their love for one another. They serve one another. The best way that I can love my wife is just doing what she asked me to do. Throwing away the trash. When Pastor Samson spoke, I went home that night, I threw away the trash. I mean, I left the trash can outside for two extra days just so my wife saw that I put it out there. Or maybe I was just being lazy. I threw away the diaper genie. I even did the dishes last week. Because I know that to my wife, when I do those acts of service, I show that I love her. Engaging in a conversation with my neighbor shows that I love them. Now, it's inconvenient. We have to welcome what stinks in their life. But aren't you grateful that God didn't just look at the things that stink in your life and say, like, mm, not worth it for me? He actually sent all that he had to die for you. I love diaper genies because he keeps all of my daughter's dirty diapers in there. You know what? Now that I'm a father, my love for my child, it's helping me understand the love of God for me. Because many people say and think, well, I'll go to God when, when I'm not dealing with this, when I'm not living in sin, or I'm not doing these other things. I just think of my daughter, there's nothing in her life that stinks that I won't clean up for her. Like when she has a blowout, which happens more than you guys told me that would happen. <laughs> I'm actually enjoying it and having fun with her. Actually kind of wrestling with her because she doesn't let me, which sometimes makes me think of how I wrestle with God. Lord, let me deal with this on my own. But I'm just loving my daughter, loving my baby, cleaning her up because I want her to be clean. I want her to be healthy. And that's what God wants to do in your life. What if we, what if instead of loving ourselves so much and thinking of ourselves first, we put other people first, just like Jesus did on the cross. He put you first. He knew it was going to hurt. He knew he was going to be in pain, but he didn't give up. And he welcomed everything that smelled bad in our lives. So we could have relationship with God and a relationship with one another. Instead of thinking of us first, 
Let's think of other people's needs first. Father, thank you so much for your word that it challenges. Lord, I pray that we apply what we learned today, that what you spoke challenges us to meet our neighbors, to talk to our neighbors, to fulfill the needs of those who are around us. God, and thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so we could have relationship with you in the name of Jesus. Amen.